uh, Andy and I are going to have a conversation with one another about a specific topic and I'll give Andy, um, he'll kind of unpack that for us. Um, but the structure of this is going to be, we're going to have this little intro here right now um, and explain what's happening. Um, and then we're going to move on to Andy and me having a bit of a 15, 20 minute chat um, about the topic itself. Um, and then we're going to get into 15 minutes of us looking at your comments, very YouTube, the doobly-doo. Um, and um, you uh, can leave your questions. Um, Andy and I won't have all the answers in the world necessarily, um, but uh, leave questions, leave comments as well, and your own thoughts on what we're talking about. Um, we really want this to be a dynamic conversation um, rather than us just, you know, chatting away. Um, we are trying to figure this out, so I'm sure you guys will have incredible things to say as well. And then after a sort of bit of question time and dialogue with you guys on the Facebook comments, um, we'll then close off with final thoughts and kind of aim to have us wrapped up around half past 11, give or take. Andy and I both like the sounds of our own voices and we have a lot to say. So We love talking about big ideas, which this is, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's dangerous doing this live between the two of us. We've known to occupy coffee shops for hours, haven't we? <laughs> we have, we have. Hence why I've got water and a cup of tea. Um, I figured I'd arm myself. Um, just need to make sure I don't need to end up going to the loo anytime soon. Yeah. Um, cool. So uh, I'll pass been, on to you now, Andy, then. I've been, um, yeah, I've been offered coffee. I'm hopefully that it's going to arrive any second. <laughs> so. Yeah, so good morning from me. We're, we're, we're slightly nervous and quite excited about doing this uh, and, and, and being interactive, um, both between Simon and I, live in front of whoever's tuning into this, and as usual on these things, we only we only know you're there really if you say something in the comments box. So even if you don't have a question, just say hello. That would be fantastic. And uh, and we're taking our uh, we're actually unpacking a scripture this morning, and we're taking it from Malachi chapter four. So right, that's sort of the final verses of the of the Old Testament basically. I'm just going to read a, the last couple of verses of chapter four because of our our time constraints, but. It says in verse 5 of chapter 4 in Malachi, Behold, I will send you, Elijah the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the ch children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And, and we're just taking that application that one of the things that Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah, is releasing to, to us in the Holy Spirit is this capacity for having the hearts of fathers turn to children and children turn to fathers. So in other words, that the generation gap isn't a gap any longer, but there's an ability to connect heart to heart and walk together. And, and really what we're, we're doing today is unpacking what does that mean? What does it mean to have the hearts of fathers, an older generation turn towards the hearts of children, a younger generation, what does it mean for the hearts of a younger generation turned towards a, a, an older generation? So there's a genuine sharing of heart and joining of heart. And the promise of it is, I mean, the, the, the danger of it is if that doesn't happen, we lose out. But the promise of it is that we gain some, some incredible momentum if we, can, if we can pull that off. And Simon, you've got some, some thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, just quickly, good morning to Joe Tescat. Sheila, Michelle, Ian, Janice, Jan, and Mark. Just figured let's be interactive about this. Um, yeah. yeah, so if you look at church history um, and you um, look at revivals, you look at moves of God, you look at these incredible um, things that God does, they come and they go. Um, they don't stick around. Um, sometimes they stick around for five, 10 years or sometimes they stick around for a generation. Um, but there's something that happens in the um, transaction between one generation to the next, that in church history, we don't seem to have been great at um, navigating. How do we make sure that when God drops a incredible bomb explosion of the move of God and the Holy Spirit in yeah. one generation, how do we then transact and transfer that um, to the next generation. You can even see this in like in just family dynamics. A lot of times yeah. when the parents experience something powerful, 
the children within that family are just like, huh? Um, and it doesn't necessarily transfer. So it becomes, it, I think this element of Malachi, and we were chatting about this, and Andy and I kind of agree on this, this element of Malachi seems to be a real um, touching point. There seems to be something really, really important that we need to get as the church, not just Hope Church, but the Universal Church, um, where we can figure out how can we do this? And we don't necessarily have all the answers on this, and we're still very much trying to figure out, but I think today we're going to try and explore maybe some of the things that um, could make a massive difference for that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think does it just we were praying beforehand, there is fear in this both ends. And 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 really if, if nothing else, if we can bring a sense of peace and increase the trust so there's uh connection real heart connection across generations uh, and that serves us well i think that would be really really fantastic outcome that there would be a dissipation of, yeah. of, of fear and, and I, I agree with you simon i don't think you know my read of church history uh, i don't know of i don't know of one where it was a successful transition possibly the most successful sense of momentum was the methodist revival mm. there's definitely more people saved after Wesley's death than before, but then the whole thing quickly started to become quite uh, structured and you know lose its oomph. Um, and and the the best biblical example we've got is David to Solomon. Really, that was a that was a great handover, or Elijah to Elisha. Mm-hmm. And and so we're gonna we're gonna we've got three things we're gonna kind of land on, haven't we? So you want to go. Simon's going to kick us off talking about a big picture issue, which is around doubt and belief. Yeah, um, just quickly, I've seen Rowan's comment there. Um, uh, the flowers compliment in the background. I think Teresa will going to have to take credit for that. Completely. completely <laughs> Teresa, all the way. <laughs> um, and good morning Thank to you, Rowan. Rowan. <laughs> um, yeah, so just quickly then. Um, so I think looking at church history, and looking at also in our moment of world history right now, one of the things that seems to go amiss in that transaction from one generation to the next is our relationship with doubt. Um, and I think doubt has two sides of a coin. Like, And um, you've either got doubt as something that becomes very destructive. Um, so, you know, Thomas the doubter, Uh, gets uh, a little bit of a rebuke from Jesus for not believing the disciples when he when they say to him hey you can um he actually came alive and it's like no I won't believe it until I see it for my own eyes um Jesus does say he's blessed for seeing it um but he then does go on to say like but you know there's this element of um uh, more blessed are those who actually believe it without seeing oh looks like you got yourself a coffee there Thank you. Thank you, Theresa, <laughs> for the coffee and the flowers. She's oh, amazing. Amazing. You're knocking it out of the park this morning. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Going to have to have set design credits for Theresa at the end of this. Yeah, we are. Um, yeah. <laughs> and nutrient supplies. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. so I don't want to throw you off your... Uh, no, your no, no, it's fine. So you've got, um, uh, you've got this bad element of doubt that I think everybody in the church is like, that's the story that we are familiar with. Um, at the first great awakening, Jonathan Edwards said one of the great signs of becoming a Christian is a, um, a conviction of faith without any doubt and that kind of thing. Mm. So we have this in our heritage and we have this in our DNA. But actually, when you look at things like the Psalms um, and you look at the wisdom literature and you look at all of these different elements where doubt is this explorative, important invitation into something bigger. And you can see this in Pentecost as well, where um, they have to ask questions to invite Peter into giving his first great evangelistic sermon um, in Acts 2. Um, And actually, it's the questions that create the stage for that to happen. So I think it's really important that we create an environment and a space where between the generations, between fathers and sons or mothers and daughters um, or whatever, we create a space where we can have doubt as a place to um, really build a, um, 
a move towards inviting more into God into the spaces that we don't necessarily understand and know. Yeah, and, and I think that I've been thinking about this since we started chatting about it. That that you you know as a Christian you you're meant to be growing in your faith. Yeah. So someone who's 20, 30, 40 years older, if they've they've kept processing as as hopefully move forward and and you have to make room for people who are younger to have that space to grow as well mm. and the hope my passion would be that it doesn't that, that there's an impartation back the way so that it doesn't take you know say you or someone in your generation as long to get to the place of faith that it took it took me and you don't have the same struggles to figure out but there still has to be that room to know. Well, I, I, you know, I started in a place where I didn't have all the things nailed down and didn't have. There has to be that room to grow in faith. But hopefully, if we can connect this thing up well, that that growth happens faster for the one generation than the other. Yeah, and I think the the thing that God often does with generations is He shows one generation something He doesn't show another. Um, yeah, there's there's a humility that we actually need to have. Totally. Across generations, we actually need to learn. There's stuff that my generation is just not going to pick up that your generation will, um, and your dad's generation will, but yours won't. Yeah. Uh, or whatever you know. And um, same is true. Like my generation is going to pick up stuff that your generation won't. And yeah. so it becomes really important for us to quite humbly. Well, we we need each other, don't we? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We, we really do need each other, and that's it's not superior equals older inferior mm. equals younger that's a bad mindset to have mm. yeah i, I think you know, or, or the other way around yeah yeah exactly <laughs> to be young than to be old you know yeah so it becomes really important i think for us to create a space where um because you, you doubt is an experience you know you you, you start doubting things because um, not because I'm going to give you a really compelling argument that makes you doubt your convictions. Doubt happens because um, I've experienced something that makes me doubt. We more often feel our way through life than we do think our way through life. Um, and I mean, there's loads and loads of sciences that our biases uh, always get affirmed. They don't get destroyed unless we have a profound experience yeah. so doubt often comes through profound experiences and it's only profound experiences that acquiesce or calm down doubts and the journeys and the questions that we have um, and often it's an experience of love for one another and an experience of, of i think you're going to ban me and think i'm a heretic if i ask you a certain question but if yeah. you all of a sudden turn around to me and say there is a safety and a space for these questions then that is a really profound and meaningful experience that I have, which can yeah. you know, settle a lot of the doubts that I might have. That's excellent. That's really good. Uh, should, we, should we just chat a little bit more about... And uh, Guys, please post up comments. Encourage us along the way. Post up questions and we'll get back to them uh, pretty soon. Actually, we do want to make this interactive, not just, not just Simon and I interacting but interacting with you through through the comments box, which we are reading. So good morning to Freddie, Gideon, Mary Lou. And again, Rowan, thanks for the flowers. And I've got the coffee going. Um, one of the things that struck me when we were exploring this was how, how personal revival is, how personal the prophecies are, how personal the promises are uh, that have come. I'm just put, speaking personally about me. I have very personal prophetic words, very personal encounters, personal um, promises that I feel responsible for. I feel they've been put on my shoulders to steward, to uh, uh, to see take place. Uh, and I just want to read a, a, a scripture that, that Teresa was reading this morning in Psalm 93, though, that, that impacts this in the, the passion at the end of the psalm. It says, nothing could ever change your royal decrees. They will last forever. And, and and I think for those the older generation people who have got these personal promises, it's it's getting the balance of of not possessing them but stewarding them. Mm. 
I think they have, it has to be personal to be life-changing. It has to be powerful to be motivating. Uh, it has to be, you have to be responsible in order to do something with it. But when it comes to the point where you, you feel like only you can possess this, it's my, it's my precious thing only, um, then you lose this bigger picture, which is stewardship. Yes, it is powerful, it is personal, but it is meant to be stewarded and all the goodies that you've received, all the promises even, are for you and another generation. And that needs passed on, not just fought for and fought for endlessly, but never passed on. Because often what God promises is, is beyond one generation. It's beyond what one individual or even one generation can fully bring into birth on their own. Yeah. So that, that was something I've been thinking, is that getting that balance between that personal thing but not becoming protective and possessive, but seeing the what you've received as a generation, as an individual, as something you're stewarding, so it needs to be passed on, not not protected. Yeah, and the, the difficulty, I guess, with that is systems. Like, we need to build <laughs> systems and we need yeah. structures because, you know, if you don't have them, then that's, you know, that, that's you. But like one generation system really works and it's, you know, it's the way that God's going to move. Um, but how do you then, then I guess, and th this is an interesting point because I like your, your generation and you guys are starting to kind of get into retirement age now. Mm. And so the question there is like, how do we take what you guys have got? Um, but not, like make sacred cows out of the systems that have been established, um, which yeah, interesting. It, yeah, it, it which is interesting. The scripture we're talking around is that joining hearts, and it's not always easy to discern what's the difference between the practice and the heartbeat. Mm. What's meant to be passed on is the heartbeat, not you have to do it this way, and that's a trust, mm. and you know, you know, in the culture of honor which we are seeking to live in and develop mm. then that requires trust it requires that there's belief given in both directions that you know we were talking about doubt but but actually to make this work there has to be trust in both directions that here, here here's my precious thing and i give it to you and i trust you to work it out in a way that's relevant to you and relevant to your circumstances and, and there has to be that feeling of trust in the other direction is right. You know, I'm not going to screw your stuff up. You know, you can trust me with your precious thing. Yeah. And, and, and as we get that bit right, I think that that helps this heart connection and the, and the passage of one, one generation to another, because if we end up smashing that link, you just end up starting over. Mm -hmm. oh. Totally. And, What's interesting about what you're saying there, though, is as well, it, it's so much about it is relationship um, yeah. and how you build those meaningful relationships. Um, and I don't know whether the church systems and church structures have always been the best at fostering. How do we take a move of God? And so often it becomes about status. <laughs> so often those become like, well, I am the prophet who got the word from God and da 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 da, da. Uh, And then the status like breaks the whole relational dynamic. And so the only way I can learn from and not from the previous generation about what God did is through a hierarchical status structure that yeah. is devoid of relationship. Again, not saying systems are bad and you need leadership and stuff, but Yep. It becomes at the expense of building and fostering real meaningful relationships of trust. Then, you know, it just dissipates and it becomes something of a nothingness. Yeah. Yeah. We wrestle with the structure issue. You mm. can't do it without structure, but if we're just about the structure, we're going to miss it. Yeah. Uh, we should probably do our sort of third point. Cause yeah. There's good stuff coming up. I'm not only managed to scan it on the side, but, just, just to bear with us a couple more minutes and uh, we'll, we'll come to some of the things that are, are, are coming up. Um, I think we did, uh, so we did the room for doubt and moving yeah. doubt to belief. Um, we've talked a bit about 
the stewardship idea rather than possession, although it is personal to one generation. You have to own it, but then you have to be able to steward it. Uh, and then we just specifically thought what's relevant to this is, is the generational difference. So here you've got a baby boomer talking to a millennial, basically. This is what this chat is going on here. <laughs> and, and there are cultural differences. Forget church for a minute. There are generational cultural differences about how I see life and how Simon sees life and what he's been brought up in. Mm. Um, and some of that can be helpful and some of it not. So I'm aware as a boomer that millennials can blame us for filling the seas with plastic, making all the houses too expensive, making the planet too warm. You, you name it, it's easy for millennials to look at the generation ahead of them and think, well, all the crap that we're inheriting is is their fault and now they're also living longer and staying healthy longer so they keep all the best jobs longer so it's really really easy to then get all yeah. grumpy about older people um but also it's th th the same can happen in the other direction and mm -hmm. the older people look at millennials and think you know they're they're this that or the other thing and actually on our phones yeah you're on the phones yeah. and you're always <laughs> asking why and <laughs> You know, you have to do it in community, and uh, you know, uh, and and I think that that bleeds then into the church and creates can create division, which makes these other heart connection things we're talking about actually difficult mm. to pull off. Yeah. Um. So we were talking about that as well, Simon. If you want to oh. jump in on that for a minute. Yeah. Um. I think a big part of it is. Um, every generation is going to have these very specific issues. And I, I don't think I need to jump into any more of that. You kind of highlighted a lot of the disparities there, but they all come with strengths. You know, mm. they all, they all come with, um, with what uh, we can bring to the table. And what I mentioned earlier as well as each generation is sees God from a slightly different vantage point because of their historical and cultural context. And they all have a revelation of God to bring to the table. And we just need to be humble enough to actually kind of, you know, accept yeah. the differences, um, work through offense, um, and, but also have doubts, you know, also actually, if there is something you need to bring up, bring it up, but in that trusting relational dynamic, mm -hmm. being able to, um, you know, culture of honor isn't just about like, being a doormat and just having somebody else's opinions mean more than yours it's about no, like not bring up the topics talk about it um learn from each other but i think for me what it all kind of all about uh, boils down to is that jesus transcends it all <laughs> you know yeah it, there has to be a look we're not here to defend boomer culture you're not yeah. there to defend millennial culture we're here to establish his culture and that we get a, a sort of a, almost an objective agreement across the generations that we're about heaven's culture on the earth, not about the cultural preferences of, of one age group or another. And that requires us back to the point of humility that we're all submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. And we all have, if we all have that singular passion, mm. then it's much easier for us all to go, well, this is what we're trying to build. It's not our generation stuff or, it's not about that. It's about the culture of heaven invading the earth. Totally. So like for me, when we were, when I was prepping for this, um, I just this morning you had the whole image of like the elders putting down their crowns at the feet of Jesus. And um, I just found that quite profound in this context because we all come as either elders or as like, important people within our generation and we just need to still somehow be humble enough to accept at the end of the day this is all about jesus it was all about his kingship and it's all about us being able to lay down our crowns yeah. for him. um shall we try and engage with that that is a beautiful place to land this jesus <laughs> just we, we love it's because we love him and we worship him yeah. we're trying to do this we want to walk as generations together and but there's some good stuff coming up in the comments box. Uh, yeah, let's have a look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so good. I hope everybody's looking in is having as good a time yeah. as we are. So, um, um, so uh, just kind of rolling back to the first point, you have Janice. 
So yeah. I agree that we uh, need to be humble and learn from each generation. As parents, we definitely learned a lot spiritually from Yosha and Olivia. Kids yeah. definitely do not have a junior Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think that says it all, really. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's just brilliant, isn't it? And, and that, I think probably helping, if we can do that in our families, mm. I know my, my now grown-up kids have helped me on quite a lot of things, just trying to keep that attitude of I can learn from them is a, is a big deal. Yeah. you got Catherine. Uh, I really like to hear us identify the need to make space for doubt because when we are open to it and people don't hide their questions, shame, but bring them forward so that we can grow and learn. And yeah, I, I think you're landing on a big thing there, Simon. I, I really do. It, oh, it, Catherine. Yeah, yeah, sorry, but you you raised the <laughs> you raised the doubt thing that Catherine's commenting on. I think it, I think there's a, a few more comments coming up. Yeah. Further down, I just you know noticed them coming up. Mm. Um, yeah, because people are reluctant to say, "I have a doubt," mm -hmm. because of the shame and like the Thomas thing that you raised. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, and you know, in a in a positive, hopefully good news environment that we're trying to create, how do you? It can feel like you're the stupid one in the corner if you've got a doubt, because everybody else is like, "Yeah, we're raising the dead." Mm, exactly. So, and I think um, it's really important to understand as well that each individual person has their own journey, um, and yeah. actually, there are very specific things that God has put in each person. And it's really interesting, though, how very often the priority is often generational. Like different generations do have like very specific sets of priorities that they feel God's calling them to. And kind of mm. it's, again, just the, the hard work of relationship, isn't it? It's, it's not it's not a straight cut. This is how you're going to conduct yourself to make this work. It's all about like fostering and building that and creating that space well, um, which is tricky. Um, yeah, Kat true. then also elaborated and said, I also really enjoy it when parents in our church share things that their children have been learning, commenting on about God, mm. because then we all get to share in it, expectant that the next generation carries something good for us to gain from. Yeah. And there's something beautiful about the children's approach to God that we're encouraged to emulate, isn't it? It's, it's we mm. become like children to enter the kingdom of heaven and the, the expectation, the delight, the straightforward approach is something that they keep she's probably good input to what we're talking about because they mm. help keep us fresh as we get older and Certainly. more straightforward and more appreciative of god um it's just great stuff yeah i mean i'm a, I'm a lecturer um as a day job <laughs> on my weeks and it, the truth is i learn countless times from my students um yeah. that whole like you know um, how you're going to set yourself up as an authority figure. And that these are the people that I have authority over. Like mm. you learn count uh, endlessly um, from a different vantage point and a perspective. But again, it just requires humility um, and a lot of uh, a humble sort of approach. Um, Freddie made another lovely point, which is very similar to, um, yeah. to Genesis. And then we have Rowan, which is, in 2020, it feels extra hard to have different generations in my week-to-week -week life. Other, small, other than small group, can you think of practical ways of growing multi-generational community in my life, which feels pretty uni-generational this year? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <In Rowan. laughs> um, any particular thoughts you have on that, Andy? <laughs> Thanks for pushing that one, Mike. Good. <laughs> this is where you say, good question, Rowan. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah. while you're you're, you're uh, trying to make time to think about it uh, yeah. it, it sounds like it's very specific to this year where mm. uh, our ability to interact is much more limited mm. um and and you took out my one thing i was going to offer you which is small group we said other than small groups so i'm really struggling how to do that but i think uh, one of the things i've been thinking about personally is is the intentional nature of relationships so uh, it's good to have friends that we chill out with and so on, but actually we need to we need to do a 360 view, like who are we relating to that's older than us, who are we relating to that appears, and who are we relating to that's younger. Mm. So what you're seeing here is I have a good friendship with Simon, and I love talking to him, and he impacts me, and we make sure we get semi-regular time to do that. Mm. Um, and sometimes we have, like, 
connection over church stuff that then becomes relational other other relational chat about some some of the latest theological or philosophical ideas we're having but but i've also made sure that i have peers that challenge me and 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 so we need to review our circle of relationships i think on a fairly regular basis and make sure that we are making the effort to connect to people of different generations and different generations maybe want something different out of you in order to connect to them so all relationships are two way you have to give you have to also receive so that would be something you could do obviously small groups are a good place to do that because we've tried to keep our small groups a whole mixture of everybody and that's a good place but just think about it think about someone you'd like to relate to maybe who's outside your normal normal sphere relationships and make the effort to connect to them can I ask anybody who is so Rowan's kind of just a little bit older than me so he would kind of be in the millennialish sort of bracket anybody who's older than that who's listening can you type in things right now that you think would be really really helpful that'd be for cool us to do uh, as younger folk how we can engage with you um, what would be constructive and effective ways that mean something to you rather yes, than us the... young people coming up with an option for it so if you do have thoughts yourself um, it'd be great if you could add that in the comments. Um, the, uh, help me thing, out, people. Help me yeah, out. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The other thing that I would encourage is start with people you know and get to know their pals. <laughs> so if, you, if you're connected with small group, um, actually trying to get into uh, the life of the people who are in your small group. So not just seeing them mm-hmm. as, you know, mm-hmm. the people I hang out with on a Wednesday or Thursday, but kind of go like, who do you know? Who do you interact with? Um, and then, and that's your in to make it more uh, multi-generational. And then, you know, you're connecting more with people in your small group as well. Um, and that's just a really helpful way to make it organic rather than contrived as well, because you're uh, beginning with um, existing relationships. That would be great. Hi. Really good. Um, then next up we have Sheila. Sheila yeah. When I was being restored to my son, we had to have the hard talk and hard questions answered and forgiveness both ways. Yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of the flip side of your trust. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like it's actually, yeah. to build that. You need forgiveness. You need reconciliation. You need the hard relational conversations yeah, when you yeah. drop the ball. I, I thought I dropped the ball with you. Uh, some of you may have seen it that I advertised this with a piece of fatty meat saying Simon and Andy chew the fat. Simon put a comment about being mostly vegetarian. I thought, oh no, I've offended him. And actually Jess, who's our communications manager, took the post down because here I am, boomer, meat-eating male, thinking this would be fine, but actually there's a whole generation of veggies coming on that could be offended with that picture. Sorry. For me, I like I couldn't care less. I, I, the only reason I wrote that thing was because it was funny. Um, but again, that's it's is having it's those slightly illustrative, awkward, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But what I mean is having those awkward conversations, checking in with each other, asking each other stuff. And sometimes it's like this where you're just like, ah, it's fine. Yeah, and other times yeah. you're like, actually, yeah, that did hit me in a place that is unhelpful. Um, cool. Got Ian next. Ian. Uh, if we get to feel what God feels about us, that is non-generational and it also brings security, humility and boldness. The generational problems come when we think structurally. Yeah, so it's... Great point. Again, I guess I get the doubts and the, uh, like I was saying, like doubt is a, an experience. And if you um, have a profound experience that shakes you in your relationship with people in different generations, you need then often a counterpoint experience. And, the experience of God's love is, you know, the affirmation that you get from that can do a world of good, can't say it. Yeah, well, it brings security, doesn't it? And I mm-hmm. think that, you know, you don't necessarily become more secure just because you get old. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maturity is not is not directly <clears throat> related to age. It's directly related to walking with the Lord and going through the essential processes rather than I just got older. So I got more mature. So I think that Ian's point is it's on us all to grow in our, our security in the Lord out of that mm. encounter with him and out of our fellowship with him. Certainly. Um, then we've got David. Love this how God is. Crack, cracking point. 
It's amazing. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving this. Um, uh, I'm going to try and emulate the, the capitals on this one well. Love how God is so <laughs> that he created us for community and we need yeah. each other. It's about having a unity of purpose rather than a unity of process so that his heartbeat goes on across the generations. Yeah, I think Mega. we talked a bit about culture and values being you know, not those of a generation or another, but actually the vision mission is a unifying thing across generations too, which is what David's pointed to there. I love that point. Yeah, I mm -hmm. think the trouble is if it just becomes about relationships alone, it all becomes a bit inward looking, doesn't it? And we're like relationship for relationship's sake, we're actually we're related in a body in order to change a nation, change a world. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that, you know, um, yeah, God is multi-generational and he's timeless and he'll be, yeah. I don't need to repeat the point. It, it's, it's a beautiful one. Um, Jan, how do you practically encourage different generations to pass on to receive from one another? If there seems to be a reluctance from one side or the other, how would you encourage a way through? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> you want to take this one again, Andy? Yeah, I know you were going to say that. <laughs> I think we've we've touched on some of it already. Um, I mean, the, there are cases where, I mean, the heartbeat of this is, is humility, isn't it? And the willingness, to, but not, not everybody can see that. I do think this... Um, this idea that I was talking about, about reviewing the 360 degrees of your relationship it is like on all of us so what tends to happen is we can put it on other people like you know, i'm not able to pass it on to any younger people because they're not doing anything to come to me but actually to think about it well who am i connecting to who am i trying to understand that i can pass on what i have and and and, and if we're all in that kind of mode and, and, and scripture encourages us, doesn't it, to take responsibility to one another, to consider how to stir one another up. It, it doesn't tell us to, to, to measure how well are other people considering how to stir us up. Yeah. So I, I wonder if there's something of that that cult culturally, a biblical culture or a godly culture is one where we're all thinking about how we pass on well. So considering how to stir one another up means we know how to connect to person because we've learned what what they like and and how how to communicate with them well yeah i think it's the hard work of building trust yes um it, it, and that can be long um that can be that can be arduous that can or that can be quick mm -hmm. um but i think seeing seeing a move of god from a distance can be impressive but it can also be alienating um whereas seeing a move of god up close and relationally that's inclusive um, and so I think a lot of the time it is building and fostering that, um, that relationship of trust. Because if as a younger person, I trust you as an older person, then I will let you speak into my life and I'll let you influence me. Um, yeah. If you trust me, then you will let that happen. So um, I think that's probably a big part of it as well. And again, as you said earlier, anybody out there with, a better idea than this on Jan's question, please post it up. <laughs> we would love to feed on the wisdom of the people that are uh, that are just watching in, and and that we we make this a bit more interactive still. Yeah, totally. Um, um, so next question is David. Where is yeah. that space to bring up areas of struggle or doubt? Um, I think we touched on this quite a bit. Go on, Simon. So I mean, my first question is that. Um, that could mean a few things that could mean within hope church specifically yeah um, that could mean within a relationship that could mean all sorts of different things so if at all possible david if you could explain that one where specifically you're thinking that would be really really helpful um i do think it's your relationship point is mute to you know you need enough relationship to be able to share to know it's someone you can share your doubts with and know they're not going to be shot down but you're going to be help forward and, and i mean so i know for me I, i've not always been the best on a hope church capacity the people have asked me questions after a preach and i may have like missed 
a message that they sent to me on an email that they sent to me. And sometimes, so sometimes it's like, um, the, if it's very mechanical like that, it, it can be missed. Um, and on my part, I would certainly apologize if anybody has ever, um, had like questions or doubts or something like that, that I've been involved in and not felt like they've had the mm. space. Um, and I certainly, as I say, very much apologize if that's anybody who has experienced that from me. But, um, again, I think it, my experience has been if it's within the context of relationship um then that's always helpful but um can see yeah um david in hope church he elaborated on that um is that for yourself andy would you say is that um a particular place where people can ask questions explore i think i think it pushes some some buttons in me in terms of uh, i love questions i'm not such a fan of so it, to me, it's what's the posture coming at me. Okay. Um, so I think expressing doubts in a in a kind of posture, which is, I want to learn, I want to grow, I don't want to stay here. I I love that. I love because so, I love helping people into a place of greater faith. Mm. What I'm not such a fan of is if people just want to reproduce their doubts. Okay. Do you know what I mean? the, the, there needs to be this openness to walk the journey I, I find that a lot easier to deal with mm. uh, yeah because I think the goal the goal of this space for doubt isn't that we all end up applauding doubt it's that we all grow in faith but the, that we honor the process of getting there that that's what we're trying to say here and that it's not shameful because you see it in the disciples all the time. They're all, I mean, I'm thinking a lot about Mark 8. Mm. How you're slow to understand, you know, that uh, we've also got to be willing to hear that from Jesus and maybe one another. Why are you so, why haven't you got this yet? Is what he says to them. And, and uh, we're a bit sensible, sensitive to that kind of thing. Mm. But actually, Jesus, why do you still doubt? Come on, just look what you've seen. Learn to process better. Yeah. Um, so there's some stuff in there perhaps that we've yet to learn is how Jesus processed the doubt, the doubters around him. Cause when he left them, they were there ready to believe mm -hmm. having gone through the process. And I think Teresa and Catherine are commenting on this, the sort of the next two. Yeah. So Teresa, uh, I really like to hear us identify the need to make space for doubt because we, when we are open to it, then people don't hide their question, shame, bring them forward so that we can grow and learn. So how do we do it? Um, Catherine, I think we don't make space for doubt when we have incorrect assumptions that must then be responsible for fixing people's concerns. Um, just uh, Instead, it's about making space for people to ask questions, asking questions about their thoughts and being open to what they may come up with because God sees the bigger view. Um, yeah, so I think we can always get better at this. Um, yeah. I think there's, um, it's not always easy to be humble and it's not always easy to um, be confronted with doubts. Um, and so it's a, 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 within the specifics of our community, I think we can always grow. <laughs> mm. uh, and it's for us to kind of, for everybody involved, I guess, to make the process. Um, but I love, I love your point, Catherine. Uh, that's, that's a really nicely way articulated. Yeah, it is a really good point. Yeah. Well made. Um, then we have Freddie, regular communication uh, is vital for relationships. So I think this is Freddie answering the question on giving um, uh, how to build relationships intergenerationally. Yeah. So yeah. regular communication is vital for relationships, lots of humor and no judgment, plenty of encouragement. Beautiful. Um, Teresa's advice for intergenerational get togethers is my advice would be to pursue someone you admire and give them a call, text, WhatsApp, Zoom and see how that works. Um, just be aware this is something I've, I've been learning mm -hmm. be aware sometimes that people that you admire they often the people we admire are busy if they're if they're good at this they've probably got great boundaries and clear expectations about how they do relationship mm -hmm. so just a quick text that they don't respond to or a request for a conversation and then it doesn't go anywhere it may be that you're the reason you admire them is they do have great boundaries. They do have clear priorities. And what you'll need to do is figure out what that is, or maybe even ask them 
what they it, it, look if i'd like to become more your friend what do you mm. what what could that look like for you because i see that you're a noble person i'd like to get some of your time but people like that want to know that they're giving their time in useful and fertile places Cool. Um, I'm just going to read the last few and then I think we'll probably have to close. Otherwise, we're going to go well over time. Um, so Good, though. People, these are great comments and actually we're getting help from the, the comments book. Exactly. Um, so Hannah find, um, says small groups are so important for all of this. Getting to regularly connect and learn from one another in a safe space. Um, then we've got uh, David's um, sort of elaboration. So I hope, David, that's kind of maybe... Um, um, yeah, hopefully um, covered that. I don't think yeah. we could. This is a structural solution for the space for doubt. I think it's a relational. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a. It's definitely a conversation. A good conversation to have. Um, yeah. We all need to be better learners. Uh, that's from Freddie. Yeah. I just want uh, to have a big up on small groups that Hannah's raising yeah, as well. Uh, they're, they're just, particularly in COVID times where. Uh, we are we are going to launch some experimental in-person meetings, but a normal church meeting is not available to us at the moment. That's for sure. So the the, the need to belong and connect is just as strong as ever in all of us, and, and we're missing our families and stuff. Small groups are more vital than ever, and uh, we've got some great ones. I've been around them all once. I want to go back again. I'm I'm now in one of the new ones, and uh, I just really encourage you to connect because I think in terms of church is about belonging and connecting mm. and the best way we've got right now is doing it that way. So and the, Hannah, Hannah and Michelle's group is great, uh, but many are available. Jan Mack can help you, but it, it's good. I mean, even take this conversation we're having into your small group, mm. you know, we're not going to exhaust all of this right now in the time that we have, but, but, but take that verse, take some of the points and, uh, and, chat around in small group would be really really cool yeah okay so cool um so just uh teresa elaborates on that same point uh doubt's not necessarily public meetings not necessarily the best place to do it but to very brave yeah. and approach the correct person to discuss um janice i think first of all we must be comfortable with doubts and it's okay to have doubts and we don't have the answers um without any judgment um and be an encourage encouragement to people Amazing. Cool. Um, thanks so, so much for that. That was, that's a cool experiment. <laughs> we said 1130, didn't we? It's 1133. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We probably need to land this thing. Yeah. How, go Simon, you, you, you can do your bit and I'll. Okay, cool. Um, Between first us we'll land. <laughs> amazing. Uh, thank you so, so much everybody for your thoughts. Um, this is church um, where we actually are all have uh, a space to contribute and think through stuff. Um, and this is also a context where I think we get um, to do this passing on stuff. When we yeah. have these kinds of dialogues, when we have this sort of space, I think the format of this is part and parcel of the content and um, that it's conversational, it's relational, it's dynamic. Um, yeah. And I think that's really the space that we can make sure that we can pass things on and I can learn from previous generations and hopefully help future generations as well yeah and i think what's coming out of this to me is you know back to the scripture where we kicked off the heart the turning of hearts of fathers to children and children to fathers just in the comments but there is a desire to, to for this to take place so that mm -hmm. we walk together we don't get uh, a sort of unhealthy schism unhelpful blaming mm -hmm. uh I, I do believe god's doing it i do believe it's possible that we have a generations walking together uh into more and more revival rather than the stop start thing uh, where everybody just has to learn again and, and and i think one of the things god god wants is that one generation clears a space that the others move into a bit like uh you know a, a landing party or world war ii d-day landings you know you have the initial people who cleared the space and then others came in and, and I've heard an expression, which I can't completely recall the whole thing, but the idea that, that like sometimes people have to go to war so that then the creatives can come and have space to create. And it's really important that both dynamics are appreciated and that 
but I think every generation has a thing to pioneer as well as a thing to establish. So I think, you know, the boomer, Christian boomer generation have been establishing a certain thing. But for me, the big, one of the biggest struggles has been establishing the supernatural as a normal. When I first became a Christian, there were hardly any charismatic churches in the UK, let alone people seeing healings. Whereas now it's still a, a battle, but we are, we're experiencing some incredible stuff. And it's then for the generation coming behind to capture that faith, figure out quicker than we did, impart, get, get impartation of that so that that can be, get even more momentum. But that's going to create a space for creativity, for impacting society, for dealing with the, the gender politics that, that, that are being faced by that generation. Everyone has a pioneering challenge and everyone has an establishing creating challenge mm, yeah. amazing so good shall we pray and yes let's let's finish off with the laying our crowns down at the feet of jesus ah <laughs> yes jesus you are amazing you are so incredible. you are amazing you are marvelous <sighs> you are just you are yeah. good Mm. You are beautiful, you are majestic, and we lay yeah. down our crowns at your feet, and we cry yes, to the angels, holy, holy, holy <laughs> is the Lord God Almighty, <laughs> who was and is and is to come. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to worship in spirit and in truth together across yes, the Yes, Lord. Mm. Yes, Lord, you love it when brothers and sisters dwell in unity you love it when hearts are joined you love it when generations journey together and that let that be a hallmark of of what you do across our city what you do in hope church let us understand one another let us process our <laughs> doubts into faith let us see more of your glory uh father god let us raise up healthier sons and daughters who become mothers and fathers themselves just let trust break out forgiveness break out in Jesus' name, amen.